He wants you to know about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, of course, wanted us to know too. Mateo enfatiza el reino de los cielos. It's about God's rule being expressed through God's place. If we go back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we find the angel announcing to Joseph the birth of Jesus. El ángel le anuncia a José el nacimiento de Jesús. And the angel says this, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. La Virgen concebirá y dará a luz un hijo y lo llamarán Emmanuel, que significa Dios con nosotros. It's talking about Jesus. Who is Jesus? ¿Quién es Jesús? He is God with us. Dios con nosotros. Jesus is God who has come from God's place, God's space, from heaven down to earth to bring God's kingdom to us. Jesús viene del lugar de Dios, el cielo para traer el reino de Dios a nosotros. Because you see, wherever God is and wherever God is to be seen, that's where the kingdom is going to be. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and he teaches us to pray to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That place. Venga tu reino, hágase tu voluntad en la tierra como en el cielo. Did you know that phrase does not occur in any other of the Gospels? It's unique to, to Matthew. He picked up on what Jesus was saying when he taught the Lord's Prayer. The kingdom is about heaven's reality coming down to earth. It's about God's will and ways that are done perfectly in heaven being expressed here in, in, in our space, in our realm. Se trata de que el cielo se exprese en la tierra. That's why Jesus has come. In fact, you could argue that, that Jesus is the seed of the kingdom of heaven planted here on earth. And he comes to, to bring heaven to us. Jesús es como la semilla del reino de Dios aquí en la tierra. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, Jesus tells one of his most famous stories. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. El reino de los cielos es como un grano de mostaza que un hombre sembró en, en su campo. Aunque es la más pequeña de todas las semillas, cuando crece es la más grande de las hortalizas y se convierte en árbol, de modo que vienen las aves y anidan en sus ramas. In a sense, you could say Jesus is that mustard seed. He's that one perfect seed of perfect humanity come from God, come from heaven, planted on the earth. He will be planted in the earth and rise up from the earth to branch out and become this place where many people come and nest. Many people come and find rest. Jesús es la semilla del reino que se planta aquí en su muerte de resurrección para extender sus ramas para que nos anidemos en él. So Matthew, if you read through it, is really going to point us to the place of the king, the place of the kingdom. Mateo nos señala el lugar de rey en su reino. Mark, according to Patrick Schreiner, emphasizes the power of the king. The power of the kingdom. Marcos enfatiza el poder del rey. 
In fact, you see this in Mark at the very beginning. In Mark 1.15, Jesus issues a very powerful invitation. Marcos 1.15 nos da una invitación poderosa a Jesús. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Ya se ha cumplido el tiempo. El reino de Dios está cerca. Arrepiéntanse y crean las buenas nuevas. Jesus here says that, that the kingdom of God has to do with us submitting, repenting, and embracing the power of the kingdom of God which has come near to us in Him. Se trata de abrazar y someternos al reino de Dios y su poder en Jesús. And Jesus in Mark, you're going to see, He is demonstrating His power. He does in all four Gospels, but this is highlighted here. In fact, in 122, it says that Jesus, when he taught, taught with authority. He didn't teach like the other teachers of the law. He taught with power. Jesús enseñaba con autoridad, dice en 1.22. No como los otros maestros. The key word you're going to find in the Gospel of Mark is the word immediately. La palabra clave es enseguida, o la frase. If you go through Mark's gospel, you're going to see the word immediately crop up. It crops up about 12 times in just 16 chapters. Almost every chapter has it. Ocurre más de 15 veces en Marcos. And what we see is that connected to that word, Jesus is displaying his power. Jesus displays power over sickness. He displays power over demons. He displays power over nature. Jesús despliega su poder sobre la enfermedad, las tormentas, los demonios. When Jesus gives the command, immediately sickness is healed. Immediately storms are stilled. Immediately demons are sent packing and they go running. Cuando da el mandato a Jesús, enseguida se sanan las personas, se calman las tormentas y se huyen los demonios. In fact, in Mark 3, the religious leaders oppose Jesus and they accuse him of casting out demons by the power of Satan. Acusa a Jesús expulsar demonios por Satanás en Marcos 3. And Jesus, at the end of Mark 3.23, asks this question. He says, how can Satan drive out Satan? That doesn't make sense. ¿Cómo puede Satanás expulsar a Satanás? Dice Jesús. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Si un reino está dividida, dividido contra sí mismo, ese reino no puede mantenerse en pie. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Si una familia está dividida, esa familia no puede mantenerse en pie. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand and his end has come. Si Satanás se levanta contra sí mismo y se divide, no puede mantenerse en pie. And then in verse 27, listen to what Jesus says. He says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. Nadie puede entrar en la casa de alguien fuerte y arrebatarle sus bienes a menos que primero lo ate. Entonces podrá robar su casa. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying, I am the stronger man who's come from God to tie up the strong man, Satan, who's been robbing you. And I'm going to rob the robber. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. I'm tying him up and I'm going to set people free. Yo soy el hombre más fuerte que viene a atar a Satanás, el hombre fuerte para robar su casa. Y él los ha robado a ustedes. 
Jesus in Mark is displayed as the one who has power to set people free from sin, from sickness, from death, because he is God with us. Jesús tiene poder de librar a las personas de la enfermedad, el pecado y la muerte. So that's Mark. How about Luke? Lucas. Luke is going to emphasize the people of the king and the people of the kingdom. Lucas enfatiza el pueblo del rey y del reino. And who are the people of the king? Who are the people of the kingdom, according to Luke? If you read through Luke's gospel, those people are simply the poor. Lucas enfatiza a los pobres como los que son el pueblo de Dios. The poor, that phrase, the poor, occurs in Luke more than in any other gospel. Luke's always talking about the poor. Lucas siempre habla de los pobres. But when, when he talks about the poor, we need to understand he's not just, you know, talking about people who don't have money or people who don't have clothing. Luke defines that way bigger than that. The poor uh, are people, for example, who have no social standing, no status. Los pobres son los que no tienen estado social, like the widow from the city of Nain in Luke 7. If you were paying attention to your Bible reading this week, we read about the widow of Nain. Como la viuda de Nain en Lucas 7. Jesus raises her dead son from the dead. And in doing that, he restores this woman's hope of having a place in the society. Jesús levanta, resucita su hijo de los muertos para darle estado. The poor are the people who are despised by the rest of the people. Los pobres son los menospreciados, like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, como saqueo el, el recaudador de impuestos. You know, Zacchaeus is a rich man. He's got a lot of money, but he's poor. He's poor because he doesn't have God. He doesn't have friends. He doesn't have love in his life. Saqueo tiene dinero, pero no tiene amor en su vida. Jesus changes that. The poor in Luke are the people on the margins, the people on the outside, like hated Samaritans and, and Gentiles, non-Jews. Son los desdichados como los gentiles y los samaritanos. And the poor in the Gospel of Luke are the people who know that they need God. The people who know that they are nothing without God. Son los que necesitan a Dios y lo saben. Like the one in the story Jesus told in Luke 15, the famous parable of the prodigal son, como la parábola del hijo pródigo. In Luke 15, that son in the story uh, is in a faraway country. He spent all the money, and it says when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll go back to my father. I'll say to my father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, father. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Se despierta el hijo pródigo y dice, ¿cuántos jornaleros mi padre tienen con qué comer? Y yo voy a volver a mi padre. Tengo que volver y decirle, papá, he pecado contra el cielo y contra ti. So he goes back to the father. And what do we find in that story? We find that he can't even get home before the Father comes running after him. Why? Because the kingdom of God is about God coming to pursue the poor, those who know that they are sinners and they need the love of God. El Padre en la historia viene y encuentra al Hijo y lo abraza. So, 
What is Jesus' message to the poor in Luke? Well, let's look at Luke 4, 18. Lucas 4, 18. Jesus there says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. El Espíritu del Señor está sobre mí por cuanto me ha ungido para anunciar buenas nuevas a los pobres. Me ha enviado a proclamar libertad de los cautivos, dar vista a los ciegos, poner en libertad a los oprimidos. Luke 6, verse 20, 6, 20. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Dichoso los pobres, porque el reino de Dios les pertenece. And then there's Luke 12, 32. Lucas 12, 32. And there Jesus simply says, Fear not, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. You little poor ones, don't be afraid. God's for you. No tengan miedo, mi rebaño pequeño, porque es la buena voluntad del Padre darles el reino de Dios. So what we're seeing here in Luke, we see that Jesus comes to have compassion. He's filled with compassion for the poor. And the Father comes after those who are poor, those who cry out to God. In fact, it says earlier that He is the consolation of Israel. He's come for those who cry out to God. Jesús viene en compasión para los pobres y los que claman a Dios y saben que lo necesita. So let's put this together. Matthew is about the place of the king. Mateo se trata del lugar del rey. Mark is about the power of the king. Marcos se trata del poder del rey. Luke is about the people of the king. Lucas se trata del pueblo del rey. Well, then what is John all about? ¿De qué se trata Juan? Patrick Schreiner says, and I would totally agree, John is all about the life of the king and the life of the kingdom. Juan se trata de la vida del rey y del reino. Life, that's a key word in John. Life occurs all over John. You can't miss it. It, it occurs 41 times in John. That's a record. La vida ocurre 41 veces en Juan, esa palabra. That's a lot, isn't it? And, and when John talks about life, he's not talking about life, like flesh and blood, ordinary, everyday life. No se trata de la vida ordinaria. He's talking about a whole new quality of life. He's talking about spiritual life, everlasting life, the life of the kingdom of God. Se trata de la vida eterna. In fact, in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus attempts to explain this different quality of life to uh, Nicodemus, who is a Jewish teacher. Intenta Jesús explicar eso a Nicodemo. Juan 3.3, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Te aseguro que quien no nazca de nuevo no puede entrar y ver el reino de Dios. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. ¿Cómo puede uno nacer de nuevo ya siendo viejo? Preguntó Nicodemo. ¿Acaso puede entrar por segunda vez en el vientre de su madre y volver a nacer? And Jesus answers, he says, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless 
He is born of water and the Spirit. Te aseguro que quien no nazca de agua y del Espíritu no puede entrar en el reino de Dios. Jesus makes it clear. To see and enter into the kingdom of God, you must have new life. You must be born again. Para entrar en el reino de Dios hay que nacer de nuevo. The word again here can also be translated from above. It's talking about a kind of life from heaven, from where God is. De nuevo quiere decir también desde arriba. We are born from above. We are born anew. How? By the Holy Spirit of God who comes to us through a connection with Jesus, the Son of God. Nacemos del Espíritu Santo de Dios que viene en conexión con Jesús. Jesus is the connecting point. And in case that's lost on us, in John 14, 6, Jesus spells it out. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yo soy el camino, la verdad y la vida, dice Jesús. Nadie llega al Padre sino por me. I'm the one. And so then we, we read through John and this is a wonderful gospel to read because we see Jesus portrayed as life in so many different ways. Jesus is portrayed uh, in, in here as the well of living water. Jesus is the pozo de agua viviente. He is the bread of life. pan de vida. He's the manna from heaven, el maná del cielo. He's the light of life, la luz de la vida. Uh, Jesus is also the door to eternal life. la puerta la vida eterna. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Es el buen pastor que da su vida por sus ovejas. He is the resurrection and the life. la resurrección y la vida. And he's the true vine in which we live. And without a connection to him, we wither and we die. Él es la vida verdadera y sin una conexión con Él nos marchitamos y morimos. At the very end of John's Gospel, in John 20, verse 31, John makes it very clear why he's writing all of this. Juan explica su propósito, capítulo 20, 30, 31. He says, these, these signs, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life. In his name. Estas cosas se han escrito para que ustedes crean que Jesús es el Cristo, el Hijo de Dios, y para que al creer en su nombre tengan vida. So putting this all together, the four Gospels define the kingdom of God for us by showing us how in Jesus he brings us the power of God to the people of God to make this world more and more the place of God that there would be the life of God's kingdom in abundance. Jesús viene para traer el poder de Dios al pueblo de Dios en el lugar de Dios para que tengamos la vida de Dios. But the four Gospels are not just talking about the kingdom, they are revealing the kingdom in the king. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the undercover boss who has come to earth to live with us. Jesús es Dios hecho hombre. 
and, and by his life and by his death on the cross and by his resurrection, Jesus responds to the deepest cry of our heart. He is the king of our heart's deepest cry. Jesús en su muerte de resurrección responde a nuestro clamor. What is that cry? What is that deepest need that we have in our lives? ¿Qué es ese clamor? I think one way you can describe it is simply that the greatest cry of the human heart is simply your kingdom come. God, your kingdom come. Venga tu reino. Think about it. Behind every problem in our lives, behind every struggle, every heartache, every pain, every loss, every challenge, every hope, every aspiration, there is deep within us a desire for God the King to come and make it right. That's the cry of our heart. Detrás de cada dolor, cada situación, cada reto, nuestro clamor es para que Dios venga y arregle las cosas en su reino. So I want to take this to a personal level and ask you to think about some things. Where do you see a need for the kingdom of God in your life or around you? ¿Dónde ves la necesidad del reino de Dios? In other words, where do you say, I need the power of God to show up here? I need God's power. ¿Dónde necesita el poder de Dios? Where might you say, I need this situation or this place to change? My workplace, my school, my community, whatever it is. We want to see more of heaven here. Where's that place? ¿Dónde está ese lugar donde las cosas tienen que cambiar? Where are the people you say, oh, I just wish that God could come to those people and make them his people, that we could be more his people. ¿Dónde están las personas que necesitan el reino? And where do you say, oh, God, I need life. They need life. We need your life. I want you to think about that because that's where our cry is. You see it when you drive down the street. You see it when you talk to people who are hurting. You see that there's a need for either the people, the power, the place, the life of the kingdom. There's a need for Jesus, right? Una necesidad de Señor. We're going to move here in just a moment to the Lord's Prayer, as we've been doing every week in this series. We're going to recite that together. But afterwards, again, I want to repeat this invitation I made earlier. If there's a place in your life or someone you know where, where you need prayer for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done, for Jesus to be apparent, we're going to open it up. We'll have a, a three or four people here in the back I'm going to be back there. Hay tres, cuatro personas que van a estar detrás después que recitemos el Padre Nuestro. They're kind people. They're just like you. And they've said, we're willing to pray with someone just to pray for God, to do what God needs to do for you. And so it's an opportunity. It's, it's, it's just meant to serve you. That's our desire. And I hope we can do that more as a church because we, we need Jesus and he is the king of our cry. Jesus is el rey de nuestro clamor. And not only that, Jesus is the ultimate 
definition of the kingdom of God. Jesús es la definición última del reino de Dios. So I want to invite you to stand. We're going to get the Lord's Prayer up on the screen. Vamos a orar el Padre Nuestro. The worship team will be up with us in just a moment to, to pray or to play during our prayer time. I want you to focus on each phrase, all of these words, and how they express our heart's cry. Quiero que se enfoquen en estas palabras. So, si hablan español, pueden orar en español. Yo voy a dirigir la oración en inglés, pero lean en español también. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's come to the Lord and pray. You can pray right where you are or you can make your way to the back and, and just all you have to say is I need God's kingdom here or with this and we'll pray for you. Let's go to the Lord with our needs.